Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. I got to tell you, uh, <laughs> Dina, Chris, well, I have to, like you, <laughs> I got to do a lot of things <laughs> on the fly, as they say, <laughs> but uh, you, you really, uh, uh, thank you so much. You want to talk about uh, baptism of fire uh, being uh, confirmed in April 2021. And thank you for calling. Uh, I, I so appreciate this. Let, let's just talk about what FEMA is instructing over a million people that have been impacted by Ida. What should they be doing now, and what will be FEMA's role? Uh, thanks so much for having me on this morning. You know, we're starting to see the impacts from Hurricane Ida. You know, it had devastating um, winds and storm surge, as well as intense rain. We're already getting reports um, of over a million power outages, some severe structural damage to buildings across the area, um, and some flooding, some urban flooding. You know, we know that there's going to be some people that are stuck in their homes, and right now what they need to do is they need to be patient. They need to wait um, for up to maybe tw uh, 72 hours for first responders to get there, but they will get there as soon as they can. It's going to be a long couple of days as we start to really see what the damages are um, and uh, what the, uh, the long recovery is going to look like. Now, the, uh, obviously, we, we're seeing far more because uh, we're now looking at the daylight hours that are just starting. Right. Talk about what is, for people that don't know, we hear FEMA. Um, I've got neighbors who uh, work for you. They're very dedicated people. Uh, what is FEMA's role uh, in, in a situation like that? What will FEMA be doing between now and the 72 hours plus? We've been um, preparing for this storm since early last week. Uh, we started to move resources in to support the state and local jurisdictions with whatever needs that they would have. Um, now that the storm has passed and it's start to uh, safe for personnel to get out there, we're going to augment those state and local efforts to save lives, help restore power, um, and make sure that we're assessing the damages so we know what we're going to have to do for the long term. The president also declared a major disaster declaration yesterday, which is going to give us additional opportunities to provide more assistance to the state and local jurisdictions. But it's also going to provide assistance to individuals in some of the southern counties of Louisiana um, with their immediate needs. And so if you've been impacted um, by Hurricane Ida, you can go to disasterassistance.gov or you can call 1-800-621-FEMA. Begin that registration process so you can start to get some help from FEMA. And, and let me tell you, our FEMA administrator, Deanne Criswell, is with us, and I so appreciate you reaching out. Um, here, is there things that people need? And, and I, I'm on the, uh, the, the, the National Board of Governors for the Red Cross, and I know that Red Cross works very, uh, very closely mm -hmm. with you. Uh, Gail McGovern is doing a magnificent job over there. Um, what do people need? Do I mean, like documents, and, and what do you do if you don't have the documents? Uh, it's those kinds of things that uh, folks don't often think about. No, you're absolutely right, and the American Red Cross is such an amazing partner with us. I talked to Gail last night 
um, so we could make sure that we were aligned and the support that we were providing. Um, but you bring up a good point, especially as people were evacuating. You know, it's always important to try to take your important legal documents with you. But if you didn't have a chance to get those and you did evacuate and you're having some struggles getting back into your home, we'll work with you to try to find the appropriate documentation that you need um, in order to get um, additional assistance through the federal government. And finally, uh, this being Urban View and Saturday, I was um, uh, with the the uh, president of the NAACP and uh, folks are often concerned about, you know, equal protection, equal administrating. Uh, again, let me give you an opportunity to reassure uh, that FEMA uh, that that FEMA it takes everybody's situation into account. Absolutely, it's uh, our programs are often very difficult to um, maneuver, and uh, there's a lot of process that goes into it. But since I came on board, I've been directing my team to make sure that we're taking a people first approach. We want to reach out to the entire community. We want to make sure that they know how to access our programs. Not everybody has uh, equal access to broadband or Internet, and so we're going to be doing some things to make sure that we're getting to the people where they're at so they know what they're eligible for. You know, the one thing about FEMA, Red Cross, it, it, transition, it transitions uh, race and politics and transcends, I should say, excuse me, transcends race and politics because that's one thing about these storms. They don't discriminate. They don't give a damn about you what party you belong so right. to. <laughs> what these party storms you belong have to. have no borders. They will go wherever they want to go. Yeah. Okay. Well, keep us posted, and thank you for reaching out here to the Madison show. Is there a website, real quick, I know you have to go other shows, a website and or phone number that people can call? Absolutely. They can go to disasterassistance.gov or they can call 1-800-621-FEMA. Um, those are the two places that uh, they can reach out and find more information. We're also going to, as soon as it's safe, have folks in the field walking around. So if you see somebody in a FEMA shirt, you can ask them questions. And, Joe, I just wanted to say thanks so much for helping us get the word out. We want to be able to reach people where they're at, and shows like this are really going to help us reach out to more individuals. And keep us posted, and we'll get Absolutely. all this. And we'll get all this on our uh, social media outlets. Thank you so much, uh, Administrator Chriswell. Thank you. Thank you, um, Joe. The executive producer and host of Luella King is Luella King of uh, a White House Chronicle, which airs nationwide on more than two hundred. PBS and public education government access uh, uh, stations across this uh, country. Well, he caught my attention uh, this uh, weekend when uh, he put together a piece of, uh, about the Afghanistan aftermath. And, you know, Llewellyn, first of all, welcome to the Madison Show. And I started... Uh, when when we started, you know, dealing with this issue, what to do, what not to do, a lot of people looking in the rearview mirror and looking ahead. But your uh, piece 
really said, look, there's going to be an aftermath when all of this is, is over. And you mentioned three things that are, that are going to be part of that aftermath. What were those three things? Well, normally, uh, we've got a good morning, Joe, by the way, and it's nice to be on with you. Um, I, I think that the things you're going to get out of a country like Afghanistan, and particularly Afghanistan, you're going to get people, because they're desperate to, to get out from under the, the religious political regime there, or the one that is uh, emerging, uh, you're going to get drugs because traditionally uh, Afghanistan has been a producer of poppies from which we get opium and heroin, and they also have become quite important in methamphetamine manufacture. Once you've started the drug trail, you can substitute your principal drug that initiated the trail with another one. That's the story of drugs and terrorism. We went into Afghanistan because of terrorism, and it's still there, and they will export it. So the three exports, which are very terrifying, uh, are terrorism, people, and drugs. And now, there's not much we can ahead. do about it. We can oh, try to really? ameliorate the effect, yeah. but that's what we're facing. And and when, let's talk about people. That, that One of the concerns is this brain drain uh, 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 as it relates to, to people. Can you talk about that? A very for, good for point, Joe. I'm glad you raised that. The fact is that uh, it is the informed who will leave and know how to leave and get out if they do not get out now in the airlift will get out subsequently. It will be the educators who will try to get away, which means that the managerial class, every country has a managerial uh, a backbone, uh, will be sadly depleted. And we've seen this before. We saw it in Iran, where the managers were, were dissuaded and left and we see it in most many post-colonial countries. You know, if you go into any hospital in America or Europe, it's full of Asian doctors, for example. But those are doctors who are not practicing where they were expected to practice in their homelands. That is a brain drain. The same thing happens with managers. People who have competence will go into the international market where there's a demand for competence. We are always mm. trying to get more engineers in this country, more scientifically trained people. Uh, and that's one of the imbalances that we have in the world. The, the traditional South, the poorer part of the world, um, which isn't always just in the South, in Africa, for example, it's also in the North of Africa. Uh, those people are trying to get to Europe because they'll have a better life. Uh, but it leaves the worst situation behind. When you lose your managers, when you lose your scientists, when you lose your doctors, things are bad to begin with and worse later. And in terms of the of heroin, the drugs, of poppies, uh, we don't hear a lot about that, or at least I haven't heard a lot about it, in the news media, they don't talk about this. We, I, I mean, we seriously talk. We always know about the the terrorists, but will you, this? You raise, a, you raise an interesting subject, in this, and and you're quite right. We tend to be in the media, and I've been of it for a very long time. Uh, 
a little myopic. We concentrate, for example, in my opinion, too much on politics, not on other things that change our lives. And we certainly are not concentrating these days on the origins of drugs so much as on the interdiction. Uh, and we, we have a probably disproportionate concern with drugs coming in from over the southern border uh, where there are other their sources may be very far from Latin America or from from, uh, from any of the traditional places. Drugs have a way of finding their way. Drugs into Europe, drugs from Europe into America. And we are an open-border country, uh, despite what we say about it. I mean, people fly in and out, ships, dogs, drugs come in, and we can see all one. Dealing with the drug problem is probably a separate issue, but it is a good thing to know where the drugs are coming from. Now, during the American occupation, I can't think of another word, of Afghanistan, we have tried very hard to eradicate the cultivation of poppies. But that's a very traditional and very lucrative trade in Afghanistan, and we have woefully failed to eradicate it, rather the same way as we've failed to eradicate the cultivation of uh, and, and And in how has how, Latin America, Llewellyn King? How has the how has how have we tried to eradicate this this uh, poppy industry? I mean, they well, grow poppy. They grow poppy like we. Farmers to grow other crops, pumpkins, all sorts of things. Uh, yeah, but they're not lucrative. Drugs are drugs are drugs. Drugs are highly profitable. Uh, yeah, and it's very interesting when in this country, uh, quite uh, almost comically, when the cigarette companies tried to get out of selling the cigarettes, they thought they could use their marketing expertise to sell other things, and of course they couldn't because. Selling cigarettes is actually selling a drug, and that's right. much easier than it is to sell something else. Uh, there's no world demand for pumpkins, which we seem to think would be an ideal crop, but there is a world demand for drugs, no matter what we yeah, say. Yeah. Did you say pumpkins? Yeah. Oh, okay. That, yeah. The reason yeah. I, well, the know, reason I was, the reason that I was, uh, uh, what I was trying to say is, uh, I mean, in Afghanistan, the poppy fields, I mean, they grow poppy uh, like we grow wheat, correct? Well, somewhat, somewhat, yes. And it goes back, you know, many centuries. It has been there, not for heroin, but for opium, which is on the way to heroin. Um, Opium has been a a drug widely used in Asia, for a very, very long time. And Afghanistan has very well-established smuggling routes, distribution routes that are traditional and which they feel entitled to have. Uh, So long as most drug-producing countries tend to get that way, so long as their own populations are not seriously affected. They have Mm. no compunction in producing uh, Mm. cocaine in South America or heroin in uh, uh, or the makings of heroin in Afghanistan yeah. and mm. for that matter in parts of Pakistan because you know there's a very fuzzy border between Pakistan right. it was drawn by the Brits it's not a real border between Pakistan and Afghanistan and the Pashtuns the dominant tribe are on both sides 
and really don't recognize the border in their own world at all. Yeah. You raise a very interesting point that a lot of people don't think about, and that is uh, we'll grow poppy, we'll we'll, uh, export that for drugs, heroin, opium, and but yet there's not how ironic or well planned there's not a heroin or drug problem in afghanistan i'm i'm i cannot speak to that i do not know i'm sure there is an opium uh, problem but whether it's extended to uh, to to heroin which is the next stage i don't know but mm-hmm. i'm sure opium is widely consumed Now, now the other final question will, well, I shouldn't say the final question, but will, will the, uh, will the uh, uh, Taliban and others take advantage of the, of this one brain, how will they take advantage of the brain drain? What will they do to correct it? Uh, What will they do as it relates to the, uh, poppy fields, the opium, uh, the heroin. What will they do uh, as well, it relates that, to uh, to the to the competition that they're going to have with other terrorist groups? Well, that's that's these are questions that are unresolved. Uh, you could remember that Afghanistan is a tribal society of many tribes. Uh, uh, they're not a united country in the traditional sense. They're, they're united in some ways and not in others. And the unifying thing is their religion. It's the Sunni branch of Islam. It's very fundamental. Uh, you asked me who will substitute for lost managers, probably zealots from, from Islam. Uh, you know, when you've got a revolutionary situation, um, there's no orderly uh establishment of a hierarchy, jobs come open, people fill vacuums usually and often, uh, unfortunately, the wrong people. Uh, This is not an orderly situation. We tend to think of our enemies, and this is a common American judgment, as being monolithic and competent because the Taliban is not monolithic and competent, but it is very persuasive of the simple tribal people because it is a religious system as well as a political system. Uh, It is a theocracy that they're establishing. Uh, We don't have very many of those in the world where there are a lot of countries where religion is important, but where religion is the government. Um, That is a very feudal kind of uh, concept. That's a construct um, that we're not used to, that we don't deal with. We tend to project on the world our own state of development and our own values, and that's common enough, uh, unless you have a very colonial view of the world, which we certainly do not have. And China, Russia have kept their embassies open. And I just saw an, a story where they've, been in talks with the Taliban. What do they want? Afghanistan that have never been fully exploited, and they include the terribly precious rare earths, which are so important for the rest of the, uh, for the advanced world. Uh, 
The Chinese are, are, are building roads. The way they do, they move in, they build roads, they build infrastructure. They largely, once they've gotten permission to come in, they largely ignore the local people, move their own labor force in, Chinatowns, as we say in Trotan. And uh, uh, the Chinese, this is a huge win for China, a new source of raw materials, and for Russia, another way of antagonizing the West, which seems to be principally what uh, Russia's foreign policy is at the moment, it's antagonism. China's is very different. It's very uh, deliberate. It's very yeah. uh, uh, aimed yeah. at yeah. world uh, domination, one would imagine. Yeah, I saw I saw that played out uh, during my work in South Sudan. Like you said, they'll build roads, they'll 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 run the oil fields, and don't hire many of the indigenous people. Uh, oh, this has been a source of great frustration in Africa, whereas uh, uh, traditionally foreign companies have hired local people, trained the local people. The Chinese bring in everything, and they establish their entire labor camps, and local people yep. think they can get local work. And right. worse, what China has done in Africa, and you and I have both seen it, and that right. is where not only have they moved in, they've undermined traditional um, African uh, uh, work, African industries like textiles by flooding the market with their own very reject, reject uh, uh, textiles, things we don't see in this country. The loser in all this is probably India. Uh, and it's very confused as to what Iran's role is, because Iran is Shia, uh, and Afghanistan is Sunni, and that's not likely to be a big win for for Iran, except in this whole world of nations who are happy when they see the U.S. discomforted. Yeah. And will the—and so we talked about the, the heroin, we talked about the brain drain— and now the terrorists, and and I'm uh, real quick because I want to make sure people know where, where they can watch uh, White House Chronicle and read this uh, this interesting piece you put together. Th- this this means money for these terrorist organizations, does it not? And does that mean that they'll use that money to build their terrorist arm of their organization? Well, that's right. That's why we went in, was to get Osama bin Laden and his organization. That's why we went into Afghanistan, and we were rather cheated by the Pakistanis. Their, their security forces are, have been very uh, sympathetic, if not aligned, uh, with the Taliban, and they just moved uh, Osama bin Laden over into Pakistan. Uh it was uh, it was a betrayal of us, and we have had, I don't know why, we really have not had good intelligence on the ground. Uh, we, yeah. Our intelligence has been very weak, and I think that there will have to be a large investigation into these intelligence failures. Um, I don't think you can totally blame an intelligence fail, um, uh, failure on the failure of the uh, uh, Afghanistan government to fight or its troops to fight because uh, the last administration 
um, Donald Trump had negotiated directly with the Taliban, undermining, in my view, the legitimate government that we were supporting in Kabul. So there's a lot of blame to go around, but certainly how we could have such a vacuum, not only of intelligence, but of cultural appreciation, so we would know what was likely to happen. If you don't take the trouble to understand the culture in another country, you cannot predict what is likely to happen. You're going to think in your terms, not in their terms, and you're going to get it wrong. We did. All right. If folks want to read uh, the piece that you put together, I thank you for taking the time this morning to come on. And Always if a joy wanna... to be with you, Joe. I'm a great admirer. Uh, uh, you can read my stuff at whchronicle.com, and you can see the television program White House Chronicle there as well, whchronicle.com, if it's not on your local PBS station or your local uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, station. Um, that's the old public access. It's on a yeah. lot of those, hundreds of them. But if all else fails, whchronicle.com, it's there, and the audio is on SiriusXM on the POTUS channel on the weekends four times. I appreciate it. Well, and always good to have you and your insight and your experience, your worldly experience, and I, I thank you for... Uh, <laughs> Uh, taking the time. To it's be my with joy us. to be with you always, Joe. You can listen to yours truly, Madison the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.